episode of it's not you it's them but it might be you and if it is you what are you doing about it we've been going for weeks now and i wonder how many of you have listened to these and gone you know what it's it's actually me and if it is what's going on give me some updates tell me have you figured out that it's you and then change things around we like hopeful good positive stories so jump in my dms and tell me the good stuff anyway we are now going to get into three dilemmas that have been sent in to me by listeners if you would like your dilemma either on here in my okay column or on an insta live you can send it to at ask la 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 let me explain but for now just let's listen to other people's problems Hi Lala, I have an eight-year-old daughter from a previous relationship. When she was three, I met a man who I dated for four years. When we split up in summer 22, he said he wanted to stay around because he didn't want to lose his relationship with my child. They were, are, close, but he was never a father figure exactly, more of a fun uncle. We've had an arrangement where he comes over on a Wednesday, I cook dinner and he leaves when she goes up to bed. It's like a co-parenting relationship, except he's not her dad. I'm fed up with the whole thing and we are not friends. He's my ex and having him over is like reenacting the old relationship. I'm cooking for him and missing out on -on one-on-one time with my child. I know I've made my bed and I'm lying in it, but surely there's another way for him to see her without coming into my space every week and having his dinner cooked for him. He acts like he was her stepdad, but he never was, and nor did he ever do anything fatherly except simply be around. We broke up because I was sick of being the proactive partner, and he was just the lazy ass who never took me and my daughter out. He just tagged along with us, and I paid for three instead of two. I'm pissed off that I'm facilitating their relationship, even though we broke up a year and a half ago. You are under no obligation to allow this man to continue to have a relationship with you or your child. It sounds as though he's using this relationship with her in order to maintain contact with you. You're the one who ended the relationship. And it sounds like you actually did that because he was more like a second child than a partner. And I think he really must have enjoyed that sense of family and homeliness that the relationship gave him. And he didn't want it to end. So he's made sure that he still has some ongoing connection to that family vibe that he loved by creating this situation of like, I need to maintain a relationship with your daughter. But you do not have to put up with this. You are not his mother. You do not owe him a family vibe. You do not owe him this fucking Brady Bunch situation just because he developed some form of relationship with your daughter when you were together. I can understand why you agreed to it in the first place, especially if he used language that manipulated you into thinking that your daughter would suffer from the loss of this man in her life or that she'd be devastated about the end of the relationship and the absence of him. And it can feel really important. Like, I get that sense of feeling like I I don't want to harm my child by suddenly pulling somebody away from them who they did have some kind of bond with. It can feel like we'd be doing something really disruptive or disturbing or upsetting by just suddenly this person no longer coming around and being a part of their life. But this is reality. 
This is life. And this is a lesson that all our children have to learn, that sometimes people don't stay in your life forever and that that's okay, that there are endings of friendships and relationships and that we can still love people or be civil with them or appreciate the friendship that we had for them or the love that we had for them, but we don't need to keep them in our lives. There's been times where in my son's life I've thought, oh, I've really got to break this to him. And he's just, it's like water off a duck's back. He just takes it in his stride. You don't necessarily need to make some big announcement, you know, like, right, I need to sit you down and tell you that he's not going to be coming here on Wednesdays anymore. You could wait until she says, oh, how come he stopped coming round every Wednesday? And then you could let her know. You could explain that actually you didn't feel comfortable with it anymore. He's not your boyfriend anymore. And it felt weird to you to have him keep coming over. Or you could sit her down and intentionally, properly explain to her in age-appropriate language that you and he aren't going to be friends anymore and that he won't be coming around and that it's got nothing to do with her. And I think that's the crucial thing in managing this around her is making sure that she knows this has got nothing to do with her and everything to do with you and the choice that you're making as an adult to no longer have this man coming in your home and you are well within your rights to make that choice. This man is not your friend. He's your ex-boyfriend who you don't want to continue your friendship with. Why does he need to continue a friendship with your daughter? He doesn't. He needs to just accept that, unfortunately, the ending of that relationship meant the ending of his connection to your daughter. If he can't handle the ending of this particular situation, then he needs to get therapy to help him through that. It's not your responsibility to manage his emotions around this. Of course, if you fall in love with a child, it is devastating to no longer be able to have contact with that child anymore because you're no longer friends with their parent or whatever. But it is life. It's what happens when you date people with children and then you end up splitting up with them. If he and you were great friends and you wanted to maintain a friendship with him, then that would be something completely different. But this man doesn't have a place in your life anymore and therefore he doesn't need to have a place in your daughter's life. Be very clear and firm with him and set those boundaries and tell him that this is done. This is over. Shut the door. Close it off. And if you have to, block and delete and move on, then do. If he turns this into some, I can't go with this, then you are well within your rights to block, delete, move on and set very clear boundaries. This is your daughter, not his. They're not even related. This is crazy. Put a stop to it. All right, and the next one says, Hi, Lala. I'm a young 20s girl born in Australia, but with roots to my parents' country overseas. I'm not religious. However, my culture is somewhat rooted in Islam. I'm dating an Aussie guy and have been for about two and a half years, who is very open-minded and reassuring when it comes to this stuff, to the point that he has begun learning the language here and there and respects my family's culture without prompt, to the point where he would be down to move with me to live for a few months one day. My dilemma is not with him at all. His family is religious and follow Christianity. However, on multiple occasions, there has been discussions about Muslim people along with other groups of people, whereby they are very open about their racist opinions regarding anyone that isn't white and or Christian. Well, I come to regret this one day. We're married and our kids are learning hate about half of what they are from one side of the family. Oh, God, his family sounds awful. And I don't know actually how they managed to raise such a lovely man, but kudos to him for not repeating the generational patterns. And it actually shows you 
that you can be different. You know, you, you can be raised with horrible racist views. It is down to you yourself to be able to ensure that you're a morally good, upstanding, kind person. But what happens when his family are racist in front of you and him? Does he challenge them? And would you want him to? Because I think challenging is really important. But also, it's not just an automatic thing of, if he's not challenging, he's not respecting you. He's not doing the right thing. Because actually, challenging in that environment, while you're stood there as the only Muslim or brown person in the vicinity, actually, maybe you don't want that. Maybe you, you don't want that kind of pressure. You know, it's really down to you as an individual as to whether you would feel comfortable with him challenging them there and then but does he challenge them and would you want him to and actually you shouldn't have to attend family events if you're going to be confronted with racism you should be protected from that you have really understandable reasons for not wanting to attend those family events you're not in a relationship with his family you are in a relationship with him and that is what matters but depending on how close he is to his family, a relationship with a partner can and does often involve being very linked to their relatives. Would he support you in not attending family events? Because you don't have to go. You don't have to have any relationship with these people if you don't want to. If he's not supportive of that, would he support you by challenging and pulling up people when he hears racist comments? So I guess if it's a bit like, ah, fuck, like it really means a lot to you to come to these family events and if I fucking hear or see anything, I'm not going to have it. Would that be the better outcome? Or the better outcome would be that both of you withdraw and when, and when you're around, you don't go to those events. You don't be placed in those type of situations. The problem is that life is complicated and it doesn't always work in the way that we want it to. We would expect that challenging racism at a family event would result in the racist person saying, shit, sorry, didn't realise that was racist, I'll do better. But it's not an ideal world. And often challenging racism just results in defensiveness and arguments. Nobody should have to argue about whether they have a right to be respected because of the colour of their skin or the religion that they follow. And nobody should be put in situations where they have to do that. So I'd expect him to support you in not wanting to be around his family. People get quite black and white about these things and you often hear them say, well, could you cut off your family then if they're racist? But again, we know that families don't work like that. And it's a lot to ask somebody to have no further contact with their own parents because of their parents' abhorrent views. So if you're considering having children with him, I think that this has to be ironed out very clearly in advance of you ever getting pregnant. Because you're right, your children shouldn't have to be exposed to language or attitudes that disrespect themselves or other people. But especially people where they have like ancestral connections to the people that they are being racist uh, or Islamophobic about. And the only way that you could safely have children with him would be to ensure that your partner is fully on board and understands how much damage it can do and takes every step alongside you to protect your future children from that. In terms of him as a partner, he sounds great. And it definitely sounds like something that you could work on together, but never, ever, ever feel that you have to tolerate racism in order to keep the peace within the family. And you do not want to teach your children that they have to do that too. So definitely think very carefully about this. But as I say, he sounds great. And I hope that the two of you can manage this together. <laughs> Hi, Lala. 
My boyfriend, now ex, would go months and months without sex, with him telling me he didn't know why he had no sex drive. It eventually came out that he suffered some childhood sexual trauma, which he thinks may have something to do with his low sex drive. It's been in therapy for months. He was also formally diagnosed with inattentive ADHD last week, even though he pretty much knew he had it. So a few nights ago, a sex worker and who we assume was a pimp knocked at our door trying to extort money from him. After, he broke down and had to admit to me that he'd paid her a few months ago to bring some cocaine in the early hours after he'd had a night drinking by himself. I'd been away for the weekend and he admitted that he had invited her in to do coke together for a couple of hours and he paid her for a time. He's adamant that no sex happened and that he'd made it clear to her from the outset when he approached her on an escort website. He also claims that he got it via an escort because he's new to the area we live in. He moved into the house that I own and says he had no one else to contact for the coke. He doesn't have social media. This took place five days after he told me about the childhood abuse and a couple of weeks after he'd gone cold turkey with smoking weed, having done it every day for 20 years prior. I wonder whether any of this is connected. I think I mostly believe him that there was no sex as he's not a very sexual person, but I guess there's no real way of knowing the truth. I don't know what to do and whether I can trust someone again who's clearly so unstable. It does sound like these things are very much connected. Disclosing childhood sexual trauma to a partner or to anyone really is a huge thing and it can affect people very differently. For some people, finally talking about it can be very healing. For others, it can be very re-traumatising and triggering. And for some, it can be a combination of the two at different times. It sounds as though he's had a lot going on. And of course, the impact just of the childhood sexual trauma in itself will be huge, let alone talking to you about it for the first time. So as well as having all that going on, he had undiagnosed ADHD for a really long time, which it sounds like he managed with weed, which then became an addiction. And actually, people really tend to minimise weed addiction. But having an addiction to a substance, a mind-altering substance for 20 years and then going cold turkey with no professional help is a massive thing, as is being finally diagnosed with ADHD after a really long time. It can be a lot to take in. Even though he kind of knew, you know, that he had ADHD... But it's really can really fuck you up your head up to finally be diagnosed with it, you know? It can be a lot to take in. Even though there are so many positives to being diagnosed, it can also feel quite triggering and upsetting and sad for a lot of people. Like, if only I'd known. If only I'd known my life would have been so fucking different. I feel like that a lot. Like, my life would have been so different if ADHD had been diagnosed as a kid. So he's going through a lot and he's been through a lot. The great thing is that he's been in therapy for months being in therapy doesn't mean necessarily that all your problems will be healed, but it means that he is taking the right steps to try to address those things. And I can completely actually understand why he's ended up having this blowout. I completely understand why in his ADHD mind, without the crutch of weed, how he could suddenly become incredibly impulsive. You know, he's he's going through this turmoil. It's such a short time after uh, disclosing to you about his trauma. He gets this idea into his head of, I just want some fucking coke. I haven't got the weed. You know, as an ADHD person, I can understand the steps that you go through in that impulsivity Tight, you know, stage, phase, whatever, where you can end up just fucking doing ridiculous things. Not necessarily this far, though. You know, we do all do really, really stupid things. Well, not all, but a lot of people with ADHD because we don't think and because we've been incredibly impulsive. 
but it's kind of taking it a little bit like beyond those boundaries. There are a lot of steps that you need to take to get from sitting in your house and having the idea of, I want some coke, I just want to blow out, I want to fuck some shit up. Obviously, coke is illegal, you shouldn't do those things, but, you know, sometimes those ideas can come into your head depending on who you are. You know, there's a lot of steps to take from going, oh, I really fancy that to, but, you know, I don't know where to get it from, to then end up on an escort website, then ending up with an escort in your home doing coke with you. You know, there's a lot of moments for that to not be like, impulse, push a button. So it's not just that, like, all done, push button, here here she is. There was a lot of thought and time that went into that process, even if it was thoughts addled by trauma and the cold turkey of weed, you know? But again, the chasing of dopamine, the reckless, I don't give a fuck ADHD thing that can just make you go, rah, is of course most likely behind a lot of this. But the fact that he actually did it and went through with it kind of can't be excused as just ADHD, but kind of can't. This is why these things are sort of nuanced, you know, because it's very easy. And I know that if we put this one up in my comments, people will just be like, oh my God, fuck that, fuck him. ADHD doesn't cause you to do this. And no, no, ADHD doesn't directly cause you to get escorts around your house doing coke. No, it doesn't. But ADHD and trauma and a combination of those things certainly can make you do things that are very out of character and that if you had stopped and thought about it, you absolutely wouldn't do. However, ADHD can't just be that thing of, oh, he's got ADHD, he can get away with doing whatever. No, we don't have to tolerate. Just because we are in a relationship with somebody with ADHD, it doesn't mean that all their bad behaviour needs to be brushed off as because of their ADHD. doesn't mean we have to tolerate it just because they have ADHD. I've done some very fucking stupid things, but I would never put my home in danger in that way or myself. Well, actually, I was going to say I have put myself in danger, but I have never put other people in danger as a result of my ADHD. ADHD, which is what he's done by bringing this to your door. Given his low sex drive and history of sexual trauma, there's no reason not to believe that he didn't have sex with this woman. But does it matter? Would sex be the ultimate nail in the coffin? I guess it probably would in your situation because you haven't been having sex for months and months. You know, so for him to have sex with someone else would probably be extremely brutal. But I don't actually think whether he had sex or not is the most crucial thing here. Forget whether he had sex with her or not. What really matters is, as you say, whether you can trust him going forward. But also, what kind of relationship were you having before this happened? How was the lack of sex affecting you? It sounds like it was coming to a point where it was actually getting difficult for you already. Like, was the relationship a really great, high-quality relationship that is absolutely worth fighting for and saving then yeah, I think that with couples therapy, the two of you could probably get through this with compassion because it's not a pattern. This is not something that's happening all the time as far as you're describing it. It's like a one-off, you know? And it is really down to whether you feel safe going forward. Do you feel safe that this was a one-off that can be worked through with couples therapy and individual therapy? Or does this feel like, no, this is, I feel very vulnerable. I feel like this could happen at any time you're the only one who's going to know that. And I think you need to really think very carefully about about going forward. And I feel sorry for him. I do think he's got a lot going on. But I do think it's going to be difficult for you to trust him going forward. But maybe he needs to be away from the relationship so that he can focus on himself. Maybe he needs to do all of this healing work outside of a relationship. 
where he can really truly only focus on him. Or maybe this particular situation has been the catalyst for change. It does feel odd to abandon people in what feels like their time of need. But if the trust is gone, then it's going to be difficult to come back from that. So I, I suppose I haven't really given you any kind of concrete help other than kind of exploring the different nuances with you. I don't know if I can really give you an answer to this one, but you don't owe him anything just because he has a past history of trauma and ADHD. You do not have to forgive people because of those things. We need to have compassion. We need to have empathy. We need to be kind, but we also need to protect ourselves and our own safety in relationships. And if this feels unsafe, then that's your answer. So there we go, another three in the bag. And of course, one of them will be on my Instagram and we will have a chat about it. So head to my Insta at la la la. Let me explain if you want to offer any advice on whichever of the topics we pick to put up. And if you want to send in a topic, then send it to at ask la la la, let me explain. La la la, let me explain. This has been a Sony Music Entertainment production.